Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. The forgiven sinner, and behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. And when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. And they thought, she washed the feet of Jesus. She washed the feet of Jesus with her tears. And now we're washing the body of Jesus with our tears. And so they're preparing. They're preparing the body of the great warrior savior, Jesus, you know, when I, I keep saying that, that great warrior savior Jesus, it reminds me when I was growing up, my stepfather, Ezra Goodman, had got this painting. We don't know how he got this painting. We never asked, but it was a very valuable painting from Mexico's most famous artist, Diego Rivera. And in our living room, this painting hung. It was huge. It was seven feet tall, five feet wide. And it was a huge painting of an Aztec warrior chief, a warrior chief, who was dead and lying in his grave with a spear by his side. And they had adorned all over his body flowers, beautiful, bright flowers of him that he had laid there so stately and so with such honor and respect. Well, that's what's happening here with Nicodemus and, and Joseph. They are preparing their warrior savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, for his royal burial. So they melt the spices into an ointment. They melt the spices that Nicodemus had gotten. They melt it into an ointment, a very fragrant ointment, and they begin to, 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 to anoint the Lord's body. They begin to put it on the body of the Lord. And a wonderful perfume comes out as they're doing all this. And then they wrap the body in the white linen, the pure white linen. And we can imagine them thinking as they do that, white linen, that's what it should be. It's appropriate because he was pure, absolutely pure through all of this battle. And that the Lord never during the battle on the battlefield, he never lost his temper. He never lashed back at his tormentors and torturers with harsh words. He never threatened. He never reviled them. But he just prayed to the Father, please forgive them. They know not what they do. So as the pair, Nicodemus and Joseph, are wrapping the linen around the Lord's body in this fragrant, perfumed ointment, the linen is getting the ointment on it also. And the linen is beginning to smell with the wonderful perfumed ointment, just like what's written in Psalm 45, 7. Psalm 45, 7. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest iniquity, wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloe and cassia. 
out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. Because the Lord Jesus loved righteousness, hated wickedness, he was anointed there with the oil that made glad, the oil of gladness. And how the garments of the Lord Jesus at that time, they described as smelling of the myrrh and the aloes and the cassia, and it placed him in a new tomb that was hewn out of a rock, like an ivory palace. And when we see the Lord being put into those grave clothes by these two men, you know what it does for us? It encourages us to be willing to accept when we're going to be putting on grave clothes when our time comes to die. And these, But these clothes were just temporary. They were just temporary because later we're going to see that the Lord just leaves them there in a pile like soiled laundry. I don't need these anymore. They're only temporary. They're left behind. And then after they had prepared the body, then we are told that they came to this place in verse 31, 1931, John 1931. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher wherein was never man yet laid. Here's a garden, there's a garden, and in the garden, there's a new tomb, and it's never been used before. How significant is that? That the Lord is buried in a garden. It all started in a garden. All the trouble started, it was in a garden, the Garden of Eden, where a man first fell, and the grave received its power over man. So it's back in another garden now, where we are now, where the grave lost his power over man, as from a garden, the man, the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to rise triumphantly over death. And how interesting that it says that he was laid down in a garden because he was because he he was laid because he was dying. Because it says he said about this in John twelve twenty three. John twelve twenty three. Jesus answered them, saying, "The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified." Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. So here's the Lord Jesus. He's speaking about being glorified in death. He's speaking about becoming a corn of wheat that falls into the ground and dies, and then it brings forth much fruit, much fruit. He was dead in the garden. He was like a corn of wheat that had died. Now he's in this garden from this tomb, and the Lord's going to bring forth much fruit. What's the fruit? What's the fruit that he's going to bring forth out of this garden? It's the fruit that's described in Isaiah 26, 19. Isaiah 26, 19 says, Thy dead men shall live. Together with my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in dust. For thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. The fruit, according to Isaiah 26, 19, is thy dead men shall live. Thy dead men shall live. And how are the dead men going to live? Together with my dead body shall they arise. So that means that when the Lord Jesus would rise from the dead, that he would be the first to lead others to God, as it says, in 1 Thessalonians 4.14, 1 Thessalonians 4.14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. 1 Corinthians 15.22, 1 Corinthians 15.22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Every man in his own order, 
Christ the first fruits, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. So we see in verse 41, John 19, 41, that where there was an emphasis. There was an emphasis about this tomb. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden in the garden, a new sepulcher wherein was never man yet laid. Came into this world from a virgin womb, and now he will leave this world from a virgin tomb. This tomb they were lying the Lord Jesus in was just like a hotel. It was like a hotel because soon he's going to check out. He's going to check out of the hotel. It's only temporary. It's not going to be his final resting place. Same is true for us. Don't let anyone ever tell you this is going to be your final resting place. It's not. Because just as for the Lord Jesus, that tomb was a temporary hotel. Even for us, our grave is a temporary hotel. Just temporary. It's not our final resting place. Now, the two men, they're finished. And now this large stone is rolled in front of the door of the tomb. Roman guards are there. We just sang about it. Vainly, they seal the dead. And now we read that on Sunday, in verse 1 of chapter 20, 20 verse 1, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark under the sepulcher and seeth the stone, take it away from the sepulcher. So here she comes. She comes early in the morning. Why did she come early in the morning? Because she loved him so much. She loved him so much. She especially loved the Lord. Why did she love the Lord so much? Because so much was forgiven her. It says in Luke 8, 2, Luke 8, 2, certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils she was, she was healed and delivered from seven devils. She rushes early to the tomb. She's the first to discover that the Lord has gone. It says in verse 20, she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith, they've taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher. We know not where they've laid him. Just imagine that. Imagine her surprise as she looks inside and she doesn't see the body. This is the, this is the beginning here of the wonderful discovery that the Lord has risen from the dead. This is the start right here. Mary immediately, though, when she sees this, what does she think? She says, she say, oh, this is wonderful. She, 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 says, she says, does she turn to the garden and say, the Lord is risen, and expect him to say the, the Lord's risen indeed? She doesn't do that at all. Immediately she thinks the worst. Immediately Mary thinks the worst. And she runs to Peter and to John, and she tells them, they've stolen the body. They've stolen the body of the Lord, and we don't know where they laid him. Isn't this interesting that the beginning of the discovery of the resurrection, the beginning of the greatest event in history, the greatest rescue of mankind, the resurrection, and she puts the worst spin on it. She puts the, oh, no, this is a tragedy. The body has been stolen away. But in the end, it became, oh my, what a blessing, the resurrection. Now, we will look at Mary here. We stop and we look at Mary, and, and we say to her, we, we can say to ourselves, well, I know why Mary did that, because that's the way I am. Because we so often react to situations in life with, oh no, how could this be? And God is always what take, what he's always doing, he, he, he always takes what looks like a horrible, horrible situation, and he makes it such a blessing. Like Joseph said in Genesis 50, verse 20. In Genesis 50, verse 20, Joseph talked to his brothers, and he said, as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good 
to bring as it is this day to save much people alive. So man thinks evil, but God thinks good. And Mary could have thought, why didn't she think? Why didn't Mary think about? He said so many times, like he said in Luke 18.32, Luke 18.32, for he shall be delivered, speaking of what was going to happen to him, he said, going to be delivered up to the Gentiles, mocked, spitefully entreated, spit it on, they shall scourge him, put him to death, and on the third day he shall rise again. But she didn't, because just like us, gravitating toward the worst, But the message of what happened to the Lord was carried to her by the angels, by angels. It says in Matthew 28, 6, Matthew 28, 6, they said, he's not here. He's risen. As he said, come, Mark 16, 6, Mark 16, 6. He saith unto them, be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. Behold the place. Luke 24, 6, Luke 24, 6. He's not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee? I mean, these angels, can you imagine their excitement? They're so excited because, first of all, they got to announce his birth. They got to tell those shepherds in Luke 2.10. In Luke 2.10, the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring unto you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day, in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now the angels get to announce his resurrection with a, he's not here, he's risen. So Peter and John, they run to the grave, and we read in verse 6, John 20, verse 6, John 26, then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and see it, the linen clothes lie. Now there's an interesting little detail here. And the napkin, which was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together by itself. So what Peter saw was a pile of the Lord's grave clothes. That Those are the clothes that the, the linen, the white linen that Joseph and Nicodemus had put on the Lord for his burial. But then it makes a special point of saying that Peter saw the napkin that was on his head separate by itself. In other words, there's a pile of the, of the laundry, the grave clothes lying there, and separately there's this napkin by itself. That was a signal. The la- napkin was a signal. You know, in the Middle East, the napkin at a meal, it's a signal. It's a signal. Here's a napkin. So, you know, you eat, eat your meal, and, and then you take the napkin and you throw it down like that, and that's a signal of, I'm done, I'm finished, I'm going, I'm not, I'm not, I don't intend to, to, to return so you can clean up. But if a person, there's a, you know, I got to go do something. I got to go to the bathroom, whatever, but I'm coming back. So don't take my food away. Don't take the plates away. Then what he does is he just takes the napkin like this, doesn't throw it into a pile, but folds it up real nicely like this and sets it like that. And that's a signal. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. As far as the linen clothes that Nicodemus and Joseph put on them, they're all thrown together. The Lord has no need of those grave clothes anymore. He's going to put on robes of glory now. Not those grave clothes, but the napkin says, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. That was the signal. Now, we read of John's reaction to seeing what the Lord was not in the grave. Verse 8, verse 8, John 20, verse 8. Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. And as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. 
So John, it's not like Mary. John believes that the Lord has risen from the dead. This is the beginning of belief in the resurrection, belief that he actually rose from the dead. But the majority of the disciples did not believe that the Lord had risen from the dead. And the root problem was they knew not the Scripture. That shows us how important the Scripture is to us, how we should live in the Scriptures, because the Scriptures will generate faith. They will generate belief. But some of the believers, like the saw the angels, like Mary, and some, some did not, like Peter and John. And that shows how angels can, they, they can appear, they can disappear at their will. But from Good Friday till Sunday was a very, very tough period of time. It was a very trying two days that the believers had to persevere. They had to push through. Those were days of discouragement. Those were days of depression as they thought their Lord was dead and gone forever. They were just like what it says in Hosea 6, verse 2. Hosea 6, verse 2 says, After two days, he will revive us. In the third day, he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. Of all the believers, Mary was the only one that is recorded that she cried. She cried. She wept. She wept because of her deep love for the Lord. Mary was, if you wanted to call Mary, label Mary in this whole history, she was the weeping one. Mary was the weeping one. She was the one with the broken heart. And for the one with the broken heart, God always has a special purpose. He has a special promise in Psalm 34, 18. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as of a contrite spirit. So Mary was seeking the Lord. She was asking anyone, where the body is? Where's the body? Where's the body? Even the person who she's supposed to be the gardener, she was asking. And that makes Mary a type of a person, of one who seeks to find out who is the Lord Jesus. And God has a special promise for that person, a special promise that he will draw near to that person. Because God says in Isaiah 45, 19, Isaiah 45, 19, I have not spoken in secret. And in a dark place of the earth, I said not unto the seed of Jacob, seek ye me in vain. She thought she was asking the gardener where the body of Jesus was, and she found out that she was actually speaking to the Lord. And what a joy what a joy it was for her. With Ephesians 3.20 describes, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundant, abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that was working in us. Just imagine Mary. She said, I was trying to find the dead body of the Lord, and instead I found the Lord himself, and he was alive. And that was above what I could ever ask or think. But the Lord especially blessed Mary as she was the weeping one because she was the one who got to carry the message back. She got to carry the message back because of her tears, because of her tears. God says in Psalm 56, 8, Psalm 56, 8, thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? So the Lord bottled up all of Mary's tears as he bottles up all of our tears and he writes them in a book. Imagine that the Lord has a book called the book of tears. That's why the Lord Jesus chose to identify himself to Mary, first of all. That's why the Lord Jesus chose her. 
And the angels asked Mary, why are you weeping? And the, and, and the Lord Jesus asked her, why are you crying? This is nothing to cry about. This is something to rejoice over. But he asked, and they asked, why are you crying? Why? Because the Lord cares about our feelings. He cares about us. He didn't know. She didn't know. She didn't know he was. But what really identified him to her is when he spoke her name. He spoke her name in verse 16, John 20, verse 16. Jesus, say, Jesus saith unto her, Mary, and that changed everything for her. She turned around, she said, Rabboni, Rabboni. When she heard her name, she knew it was the Lord. Because Why? Because the Lord said about his about names. He said in John 10.3, John 10.3, the porter openeth and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. John 10.27, John 10.27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. When Mary realized that the person she thought was the gardener was really the Lord, she was just like the brothers of Joseph. When they realized that the person they thought was the governor of Egypt, which he was, was really their governor, really their brother, then in Genesis 45.3, just like she said, Mary, Joseph said unto his brethren, Genesis 45.3, I am Joseph. They were shocked. They couldn't speak. And that's what it's going to be like for the Jewish people. When they realized that the one who has saved them from destruction by all the countries of the world is Zechariah 13.6, Zechariah 13.6, one, one shall say unto him, what are these wounds in thine hands? And he shall answer, these with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Zechariah 12.10, Zechariah 12.10, I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications. They shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn and be in bitterness. What a day that's going to be. When Mary realized it was the Lord Jesus, she calls him Rabboni. Well, Rab, Rab means great one. Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi means, uh, sorry, master, master. But Rabboni means my great master. That's what we have to be careful about calling anyone Rabbi. It means my master. So Mary runs back and she tells everyone in John 20, verse 18, she came and told the disciples she'd seen the Lord. So she's the first one. She's the first one who announces the resurrection to the group of believers. And when Mary did that, she's just like the brothers of Joseph, the brothers of Joseph that rush back and tell Jacob in Genesis 45, 26, Genesis 45, 26. And they told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he's the governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. So this is the history of the great resurrection. This is the history of the resurrection of our great warrior savior. It's not just the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead. It was our hope was raised out from the dead. It was our future for eternity that was raised from the dead with him. When the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead, it was the guarantee that we have that we shall also be raised from the dead and follow him. The Lord is risen. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the great warrior Savior who battled all the way to the end. And thank you, Lord. The victory is your raising from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Join us for the Taste of Creation silent auction and fundraiser for the Creation and Earth History Museum, Israel Restoration and Friendship with God Ministries on Saturday, July 14th at 6 p.m. Enjoy an amazing evening of fantastic food, music, prizes, and a special message by Ministry President Tom Cantor and guest speaker Frank Sherwin. Your participation and support of this fun-filled evening helps sustain these vital ministries to equip future generations and promote the furtherance of the gospel message. Register today at www.tasteofcreation.com. That's tasteofcreation.com. <laughs> 